Let us agree together in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, our hearts are full of praise and thanksgiving for your mighty, mighty presence that is always with us. We thank you for the greatest gift, which is the gift of your spirit. And we even pray that as we look into your word, we trust and believe that wisdom and revelation in your knowledge of us is ours. We pray that we shall have great clarity into your word, into your mind, concerning that which you have accomplished for us in your death and your resurrection and our reality in all of these things. Even for myself, I receive utterance to speak your word clearly and with much boldness. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we'll be continuing on uh, our series, The Gospel Revealed in Galatians. And I believe this will be part 21. And uh, wow, (laughs) we have come a long way indeed. And we are still in the chapter one, but we'll we'll be wrapping it up soon. We'll be wrapping it up soon. Um, In the last session uh, or in the in the prior sessions, we've been looking uh, looking at the revelation that uh, brother James himself received. You know which uh, which he could have also shared with uh, brother Paul. You know when Paul um, you know went over to Jerusalem, and he was being specific to ask the right persons uh, regarding the revelation of Jesus that they had received, you know, to to be able to further strengthen his own persuasion on uh, that same revelation of Jesus. You know, um, uh, it's the main thing is that Jesus is revealed, right? You know, um, from what we can see in the writings of Paul, in the writings of Peter, in the writings of James, uh, you know, they did not necessarily use the exact same words per se, even though there are some cases where they did, as it should be, uh, you know, but they did not necessarily say exactly the same words, yet they conveyed the same message, right? Which is the message of Jesus and the work of salvation, the work of redemption, you know, and how our lives and our conduct ought to align with that truth and that revelation. Um, you know, and, and that is the key, that is the most important thing, is that we all, especially as believers, have one message. You know, the, the, the message is the same, it's consistent, which is the message concerning Jesus. Now, we may all use different words, we may use different terminologies, different phrases. However, the, the conclusion of our message, you know, uh, really should be the same. You know, and that's what we see. Uh, both in the writings of James, the writings of Peter, the writings of Paul. Uh, And it is no coincidence, you know, that, uh, you know, these are men that Paul went to, you know. Um, And so, uh, last week, we we, we looked at James and we, you know, spent quite a lot of time, uh, you know, talking about the nature and the character of God. Um, and how men, unfortunately, um, you know, veil or hinder the the light of the gospel from 
you know, from shining on them, even though it was a little bit of a, you know, sidetrack in a way from the, the main conversation. Uh, I think the, 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 the core message being conveyed is, you know, seeing God in the light of Jesus. Yeah. Seeing that Jesus is the complete revelation, the complete unveiling, the complete brightness, you know, of who God is. I know one statement we made was that for you to fully know God, you just need to study Jesus. It's, it's that simple. It's that straightforward. You know, to know God is to know Jesus, you know. And, and once you put your attention on studying and knowing Jesus, his character, his accomplishments, his, his nature, that which he did while on the earth, you have simply known what God himself would do, you know, <laughs> when it comes to certain things or certain situations or, you know, certain words and all of that. So, uh, that, that was one truth that we emphasized. And, and where did we uh, get that inspiration from? So if we go to James chapter 1, we, we've been on James chapter 1 for, I believe, the past two or three sessions now. And we're going to continue from there. Uh, and uh, once we're done with Brother James's epistle, we're going to go back to Galatians um, and wrap up chapter 1. Okay? So that is the, that is, um, the intention. Okay. So James chapter 1, we'll read from the verse 17 and, uh, you know, uh, today the plan is to spend quite some time uh, in verse 18 because it's, it's very, it's, uh, it's very uh, important to the whole conversation that we've been having. So verse 17, every good gift or every good act of giving and every perfect gift or every gift that is complete, that doesn't lack in anything, is from above or heavenly and comes from the Father of lights. I think that's also something we emphasized last week, speaking about um, the fatherhood of God uh, and saying that he's the father of lights. Yeah, And if he's a father, it also means that you know he has sons. And what is the nature and character of these sons? They are light, just like their father is light, you know. And then we spoke about Jesus, you know, calling himself the light of the world, you know, and also addressing us too as the light of the world. So do you see, you you you, you see the connection, right? You know, whereby a father-son relationship shows that we share in the same nature, the same character, the same image, the same likeness, the same resemblance, the same representation. Of God, you know, and that's why we are his sons. Yeah. So it says from the father of lights. From the father of light. So if it's the father of light, it means also that the gift there, the gift that will be given is light. You know, we know that that same light is a spirit within us. Yeah. Because it is by his spirit being in us that we are able to come into that place of sonship. You know, when we say, Oh, born again or born from above, right? What what we're actually saying is that um is that we're speaking of one who has believed the gospel and as a result of believing the gospel the spirit of god now dwells in them and as a result of the spirit of god dwelling in them they are what their sons or they have now come into the reality um, you know as being sons of god very important and and you know james goes further to <laughs> you know give a clear definition in the character of god as father he says with whom there is no variation 
or shadow of turning. So meaning, you know, God is not a yo-yo, you know. Uh, God is not good today and then bad tomorrow, uh, nice to you today and then evil to you tomorrow uh, based on maybe what you do or how you react to him and all of those things. No, 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 no. God is not that way. You see, God is constant. You know, man is that way. Man is the one who says, who is nice to you today and who can kill you tomorrow. That's man. That's man. But you see, God is constant in, in his resolve. God is constant in his nature, in his character. You know, God is clearly defi- de- defined. Um, we can know what God would do in certain situations, you know. <laughs> God is not a mystery. Uh, it's like man in certain situations, you are not sure. <laughs> you know, he could be nice today. He could be good to you tomorrow. He could be do this to you today. But with God, we know this is going to be his heart slant towards a person, towards a matter, towards a condition, because it's clearly seen in the person of Jesus. Yeah, so that's very important for us to know that God is light. God is light. There is no darkness. There is no ignorance. There is no, you know, when we say something is light, it means that he's clearly seen by all. You know, some people try to put God as this mysterious, you know, God is a mystery. He works in mysterious ways. No, God does not work in mysterious ways. <laughs> God works in a clear way and we've seen that way in Jesus. Okay, please don't fall into that camp that say God works in mysterious ways. No, he doesn't. Now, men might see it as mysterious in their understanding, right? Or due to a lack of understanding, they might think that God is mysterious. Or God is someone that is hidden, right? But it is not the case. God is clearly seen. He's clearly seen in his word and he's clearly seen in the person of Jesus. And so which means that whatsoever you do not see in Jesus cannot be God. I'm going to say it again. Whatsoever character, nature, action, words that you do not see in the person of Jesus, that is definitely not of God. So, and like I said last week, you know, and, and who knows, who knows, maybe we'll do that, you know, whereby we'll actually go into, uh, you know, Genesis to Malachi and also see Christ unveiled there or also see the gospel revealed there, you know, because uh, many times people, you hear things like the God of the Old Testament and then the God of the New Testament and then the God of the Old Testament is this brutal God, no-nonsense God. If you sin against him like this, oh my God, it is your end. You die, judgment, this and all that stuff. You, you know, and it, it, it's it's uh, it's easy for one to draw such a conclusion, especially when reading Genesis to Malachi. However, we know that the apostles and the prophets were seeing the same thing. In fact, the scriptures of the apostles were gen- was Genesis to Malachi. Yeah. So, which means that what inspired their own epistles was from what they read and what they understood from Genesis to Malachi. So, which means that whatsoever things they wrote in their epistles, right, is also what the prophets also spoke about. It's also what the prophets also uh, taught about. Yeah. So, which means that the prophets and the apostles agreed together. But the question we now have to ask ourselves is, what do they agree on? You know, <laughs> what do they agree on? Uh, it's, it's not everything that they wrote about that we ought to just take and then just run away with. No, 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 no. Remember, there is a central theme. There is a central message. 
if Paul, Peter, James are trying to reveal and unveil Jesus Christ, which is the work of salvation, yeah, as, as seen by Jesus laying down his life and being raised up from the dead, right, it also means that what we ought to pay attention to when we read Genesis to Malachi is also the work of salvation or is also the revelation and the unveiling of Jesus. Very important. Right? That's how we are able to see a consistency in God's nature. That's how we are able to see consistency in God's character. In fact, what makes the entire scriptures one? What joins them together? What brings that synergy from one book to another book to another book to another book in the Bible? Right? Is what they are trying to communicate or the message that they are trying to reveal, which is concerning his death and his resurrection. See, the moment you go outside those parameters, I tell you, you come out confused or you come out believing wrong things about God. Yeah. But anyways, that is not again. <laughs> I was almost tempted to fall into that trap there. But we'll keep on going. We'll keep on going. So if we go back to James chapter 1 verse 17, right? With whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. You know, God is not one who just changes his mind anyhow based on the things you do to him. You know, God saying, I love you today. And then because you say, oh no, or maybe because you sin, uh, then God is now like, okay, I don't love you anymore. I now hate you. No, no, no. In fact, that's childishness. Anyways, verse 18. So verse 18 is where we'll be putting our attention to. So he says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures or creation. Now, now look at this. It says, of his own will. Now, in reading that, you know, I always feel that the English language is quite weak in, in conveying the richness of of uh you know of the greek language you know of which that was what the, the, the these epistles were primarily um you know written written as they were written in greek you know and when you read something like of his own will you know it's like oh yeah it was just his desire to just bring us forth oh no 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 you see that word having willed there or of his own will actually means to plan with a full resolve yeah, to plan. So meaning that our being brought forth, yeah, our being brought forth by the word of truth was not a figment of imagination by God. You know, it wasn't like a, you know, a, a plan that just came out of nowhere just because of maybe some things that happened. You know, I, I don't know if you've heard of this before, you know, that salvation is like, uh, you know, the, the plan of Jesus laying down his life. Um, you know, and becoming a sacrifice for sins and the resurrection, uh, you know, was all because of what Adam did. Uh, so meaning if Adam did not sin and everything like that, there will be no need for salvation. You know, such ridiculous statements. And which is as a result again of reading Genesis chapter 1, 2, 3 from a historical point of view. But anyways, that's not our focus today. But <clears throat> what James is telling us here is that our being brought forth by the word of truth, our birth, right? Our birth was not just something that just happened, yeah? It was God's plan, God's intention. And you know, something beautiful about this word is that it's beyond just a plan or a desire, 
right? It also involves a determination to ensure that that plan becomes carried out or that plan becomes fulfilled. You know, that's powerful. So, you know, it's one thing for you to plan. <laughs> you know, many people are planners. You, they can say, oh, we plan to do this, uh, especially politicians, right? They'll tell you, oh, we plan to build roads and build schools and do this and do that and do this and do that. And then when they get into the office, you know, they only do like one quarter uh, <laughs> of all that they, plan, that they said they were going to do. And one of the main reasons being that there is no determination, there is no drive to ensure that all of those plans come, come into fruition. Now, this word here means not only to plan, but to carry out that plan with full resolve, with full determination. Yeah. So there is a determined intention that drives that planning, that drives that desire into coming to pass. Yeah. So when, when he says having will there, God ensured he put all his energy, all his might, all his power to ensure that that plan of our bringing forth comes into fruition yeah and how did he do so through the writings of the prophets from moses all the way to joshua all the way to david right he kept on making this plan known so that the hearts of men will be prepared right so that the hearts of men will be ready to receive him when he would come in the flesh to carry out this plan right because he needed men you know hope you know that jesus's or god becoming man in the flesh was not just by magic I hope you know that. Yeah, it took men speaking about it, and as men spoke about it, it also drove men into the place of praying it to come to pass. Yeah, so the birth of Jesus was a product of both the teaching or preaching, right, and also the, the prayers of men upon the earth. Right? So we have the teaching prophets in men like Moses, you know, all the writers of Genesis to Malachi. Right? We have those prophets who wrote down these things, who were inspired to speak about God's plan of salvation. And then we now have praying prophets like Simeon in Luke chapter 2. We have praying prophets like Anna, right? who took these words or these teachings that the prophets spoke about and prayed them on their knees <laughs> you know, to be brought forth upon the earth. And you know, guess what? That is a principle that we ought to learn. Right, that we are not just a people who are taught God's word, you know, or through whom lots of prophecies come forth, right? But we are also a people, right, who are able to pray, who are able to pray for these prophecies into reality. Does that make sense? Very, very key. <laughs> okay, well, our, our conversation is not on uh, prophecy and prayers today, uh, but. The point I'm just trying to make is that God had a plan. And not only did he just have this plan, he did everything in his ability to ensure that this plan was brought forth. And he did that through the writings of the prophets. And he also did that through praying prophets, through men and women who went on their knees to speak forth these words into reality in the place of prayers. And in so doing, that was how his plan was brought forth, whereby he became man. And in becoming man, he grew up. You know, <laughs> sometimes I really think about it and it just blows my mind. 
you know, imagine God was a baby upon the earth. <laughs> he really was. You know, God did cry <laughs> as a baby, you know, human form. You know, God called men, daddy. God called men, mommy. <laughs> you know, That's because that was Mary. Mary was his earthly mother. Joseph is earthly father. You know, um, you, you know, God had, you know, friends that he related with. You know, God actually walked. You know, God walked as a cabin. You know, which is so funny when you hear men who say, oh, we can't walk or we don't need to walk and everything like that. Come on, that's silly. You know, even God, while he was on earth, he labored with his hands. He walked with his hands. You know, what makes you different? Anyways, <laughs> you know, so we see that example. Yeah. So we see God carrying out, ensuring that his plan, what is that plan of bringing us forth was going to be fully carried out. So when he says of his own will, he brought us forth. Let's not see that his own will as something light or maybe it was just a desire and everything. No, 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 no. It was a plan that was backed by the resolve of God to ensure that the, the plan of salvation of men being saved, being raised up, of men being brought forth by his spirit and by his word was going to be carried out. Yeah. So he says of his own will, he what he brought us forth or he gave birth to us. Is that what he brought us forth there can also be translated to give birth to us. So now this now makes sense with verse 17, where it says every perfect gift is from above and comes down from what the father, the father of lights right the father of lights the father of lights and then in verse 18 of his own will of his own plan and resolve to ensure that that plan is carried out he brought us forth or he gave birth to us yeah so it now makes sense that he's called the father of lights because he gave birth to what to lights which is what we are i mean which is what we are right so we are light just as he is light right and that was his plan all along that was his, it was his resolve to ensure, right, that we were brought forth in that same nature, character, likeness, right, that he himself is. Yeah. So he says, of his own will, he brought us forth. And you know, that plan had been written by, remember I told you, right, those, this, he made this plan known by, by men, right, by inspiring men to write down these things, which we see from Genesis all the way to Malachi. You know, so right from Genesis chapter 1, we already see God. In fact, we even see his plan in the verse 1. Yeah, we see God's plan in the verse 1, where it says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Yeah, that was God's plan. Of course, well, you see, if you read Genesis 1 as a, 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 a teaching on astrology, or a teaching on the history of the earth, then, well, you wouldn't see God's plan there, you know. But when you understand that these men were not writing to teach us, you know, you know science has gone so far to give us as much information. In fact, we've not even touched one quarter of the information on the earth or even <laughs> space in itself, you know. So, to, to think that God is trying to teach us history or trying to teach us archaeology or astrology in genesis 1 is ridiculous right you know we've just seen that the prophets wrote concerning the plan of god and that plan is related to our bringing forth or our being birthed by the word of truth so it means that when we're reading genesis chapter 1 and beyond right we are looking to find 
where is this plan written? So, and of course, when we say God's plan, there it means something that God would do. Because we said it is a plan that God is deter- was determined to ensure that it was carried out. So, meaning God will be the one to work and to ensure that this plan becomes fulfilled. So, which then brings in the work of God or the action of God. So, in Genesis chapter 1, from the verse 1, we already see God's act or God's plan. And his plan is that what? He would create the heaven and the earth. So, what would be the heaven and the earth that is created? You know, it's so funny how the scriptures all align together. Okay, let me read this James 1.18 again. <laughs> Look at this. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruit of his creation or of his creatures. Do you see? So, where do you think James will have gotten this from? From Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. Right? So, God created the heaven and the earth. We have to ask, what is the heaven and the earth there? Very simple. The heaven and the earth is speaking of who? Is speaking of the new creation. Or is speaking of men. Right? So, James did not get this idea of, oh, we've been brought forth by the word of truth. That we might be a kind of false fruit of his creature. Where do you think he got it from? It was from Genesis. So in Genesis 1 verse 1, God created, do you see, created creatures, first fruit of his creature. God created the heaven and the earth. So what would be the heaven and the earth? Men, right? Or those who are brought forth by the word of his truth. Right? By the word of his truth. And if you read chapter 1 very critically, where he says God created this, or God said, God said, God said. See, don't think of the natural, you know, God said, let there be this, let there be that. Don't just think of the natural things. Think, how does this relate to God's plan in bringing us forth? Yeah? And then we now see the combination in in uh, Genesis 1.26. Let us make man in our, what? In our own image, according to our likeness. Right? So we see that plan. So the prophet had been writing about it, writing about it, writing about it from Genesis all the way to Malachi. And God ensured that that must be carried out. It must be brought, to, brought forth. It must come to pass. And how did it come to pass? In the person of Jesus. <laughs> or in God becoming a man so that he could lay down his life for us. Right? And in being raised up from the dead, we are able to see that that life is an endless life. Anyways, we look again, verse 18, of his own will, he brought us forth, or he gave birth to us. How did he give birth to us? He says, by the word of truth. How did he give birth to us? By the word of truth. So, our new birth, right, the instrumentality by which a man right, is born or is brought forth by God, right, or becomes a son, right, of God, or becomes light, (laughs) just like the father of light, yeah, is by the word of truth or by the word, the message of our reality. The word truth there actually means reality, yeah, or that which is not concealed, that which is unveiled and open for all to see, you know. So, 
So that is the word of truth, the word, the message of our reality. So our birth is not a figment of imagination. Our new birth is not just something we just say, oh, we believe, we believe, we believe. No, no, no. It is actually real. Yeah. God as your father is your reality. Yeah. You as a son of God is your reality. You as light is your reality. It is real. It is tangible. And you need to see it as such. Yeah. See, you, the, the implication of this is huge. When you see that, ah, wait, <laughs> I am actually brought forth. I am brought forth, born by God. <laughs> right? So, which means his image, his likeness, his character, his DNA, you know, is also the same as mine. Yeah? It, it changes a whole lot of things for you. So, when you, you're able to really think on that, yeah, and see it as your reality, you know, Many times, I don't know if you've had this conversation with people, you know, and, and maybe they're, they're struggling in one area of their life, maybe in terms of one sin, you know, or anger. Okay, let's go with anger, for example, you know, and then you tell them that, no, 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 that's not who you are. God is not, is there anger in God? No, you know, God is, is not an angry God, rather he's one who is gentle, he's one who is meek, he's one who is peaceful, you know. And they say, yeah, 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 we know that, but let's be real. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of such terminology before. You know, they say, let's be real, let's be real. I'm an angry person. This thing has been in my family line, you know, for my great, great, great. Sometimes you wonder how they know about their great, great, great grandfather. But anyways, they say from their great, great grandfather out, it was in my grand grandpa, it was in my grandfather, it was in my father, and now it's also in me. I'm an angry person. And you're like, no, they say, bro, let's be real, let's be real. See, that's how you know that they don't really know God's word. Because, <laughs> you know, let's be real. Is that you are born from God or you are brought forth from God. That is the word of truth. That is the word of your reality. You see, you should learn to take God's word as your reality. Learn to take God's word as that which is true of you. Many times we take the lies of the... And it's sad because we now use our mouth to now further establish it. You see someone say, oh, I'm angry i'm a bitter person i hate this i and it's like no 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 that is not who you are is that what god's word says it is called the word of truth the character of god's word is that it is reality it is truth it is truth and so you ought to take that as your word you know we in fact that's what james ends up ends up saying where he says there for um you know receive with meekness receive with meekness the engrafted word Right, which which has saved your soul. So we're going to come back and look at that in much more detail. But that is what we ought to do as believers. You know, don't don't allow the world define you. Don't allow maybe something you've seen in your family traits define you and all of those silly things. No, take God's word and take it as your reality. Say, just as my father is meek and meek, just as there is no anger, wrath, bitterness in my father. There is therefore no anger, wrath, bitterness in me. Now, that is the word of truth. Why are you able to see that? Because that's what you have been brought forth from, right? Because God is your father. You have now been born of God. So, you have every right. See, don't let anybody tell you, oh, you are deceiving yourself. Look at you. You are saying one thing with your mouth, but your life is this. No, keep saying it. You see, by saying it, what are you doing? You are also speaking to your mind. You are renewing your mind to that truth. And the more you keep saying it, the more 
you are enforcing the mind of Christ, the thinking of Christ. You are building up a mindset of who you are. And as that mindset is being built up, it begins to regulate your outward conduct. It begins to regulate your actions. It begins to regulate the words that you say, both to men and about yourself. See, that's very important. He says he brought us forth by the word of truth, the word of reality, the word, right, which is your reality. That's what you've been brought, of, brought forth from. That's what you've been born, born from. That's so key, so huge for us to really take in and appreciate. Okay, let's see. Well, what is this word of truth, especially in a practical way, right? What is this word of truth? Let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. All right. So Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. Ephesians 1 13. So he says, In him you also trusted after you what you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Read, please. Let us read this again. Right? Let's read this again. It says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. Remember in James chapter 1, right? In James chapter 1, it says, Of his own will, of his own resolve, of his own plan, which he was fully determined to carry out. He brought you forth by the word of truth. The Ephesians, which was written by Brother Paul, will also use that phrase, word of truth. So after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Aha! Do you see? It's so beautiful when, when uh, Paul and James and Peter and all of these uh, apostles really agree in their writings. It's so beautiful to see. So what is the word of truth? The gospel. The gospel. What gospel? Of your salvation. Right? It says of which they heard and they believed. So it therefore means, right, that our new birth or we come into the reality of being born of God when having heard the gospel of salvation, we believe it. And in fact, it says, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy <laughs> Oh my God. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So which means that every, see, your new birth is a sealing. Yet, yeah? when you believe the gospel, you were sealed. To the, see, there is no turning back. You know, which is why I laugh at people who feel, oh, who say things like, oh, you know, you lose salvation or this or that. And it's just ridiculous. You, you See, when we talk about if God seals, maybe when men, even when men seal something or when a king places a seal on something, it speaks of that which is irreversible. It is a word that is irreversible by any man. And that ceiling there is recognized by all in the land that this is the king's word. This, is, this has the king's backing and nothing can be done to reverse it. And so, when by you believing the gospel, it says being sealed by the Spirit. See, there is no going back. I love the analogy a wonderful brother of mine, a big brother of mine would use. You know, he would say that your salvation is like... See, when the moment you chose to believe, right? It's, it's, it's similar to 
when a man decides to jump off a cliff. <laughs> Look, see, when someone jumps off a cliff or off of a high mountain, and then midway they're like, ah, no, I changed my mind. I want to go back up. <laughs> they are just deceiving themselves because there's a, a greater force called gravity that will ensure that you continue to go down and down and down. So w- w- what am I trying to say? The point I'm trying to make is that our salvation is similar. The moment you believe the gospel, you were sealed. You were sealed to it. Meaning that no matter you say, oh, I'm leaving, I'm doing this. You are just deceiving yourself. You are living in a false reality. You are declaring lies. You have been born, brought forth by God. Imagine someone who has been born, a baby brought forth from the womb. And then the baby is crying and saying, no, 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 I want to go back in. This is not <laughs> ridiculous, isn't it? Ridiculous, right? So, in the exact same way, you know, many times the natural things are a very good analogy to point us to the spiritual, right? A baby brought forth from the womb now says he wants to go back to the womb or he doesn't want to do it again. You know, it it, is... (laughs) So, if that is the case in the natural birth, how much more the spiritual, right? How much more the spiritual? Well, we have actually been brought forth by God's word. You've been born of God, yeah? And then you say, no, I, I don't want again. I want to change. It's, it, no, 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 no. That can happen, right? That can happen. So, he says here that after I have heard the word of truth, so Ephesians 1.13, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, the good news of your salvation. So, our birth was, you know, became a reality when we believed the good news of what God did right by raising jesus from the dead you know which was the giving of his life unto us or the giving of his spirit unto us right so so our reality so this is very important our reality the word of truth the message of our reality is on the basis of what god accomplished for us in salvation right that is our reality so think of yourself that way you know, someone who is born, it means that that's his identity, right? That's who he, that's who he is, that's his nature, right? So the, the things contained in the gospel, the things contained in salvation is what makes me up, right? Is what makes me up, is who I am, is who I am. And that's what I identify with. And I make sure that my mouth and my mind does not stray away from that. I make sure that I stay fixed, I make sure that I stay established in that truth, in that reality, that I am born of God. I share in the same nature, character, likeness, uh, representation as my father. And what's he called? Father of light. Therefore, I am light. Which means that just as there is no variableness or shadow of turning in God, so also for me, there is no variableness or shadow of turning with I am consistent like my father is consistent. Just as my father has a constant heart slant of love towards men, I also, being born of God, have that same heart slant of love and forgiveness towards men. As I see the character of God in going forth and preaching the gospel, healing the sick, raising the dead, I also, being born of that reality, I am also able to do the same. 
to go forth, to preach the gospel, to raise men, to raise disciples, just like Jesus raised disciples. Right? Just as Jesus was willing to offer his life as a sacrifice for our sins, I too, being born of that self-same spirit, having that DNA in me, I'm also able to offer my life as a sacrifice, right, for the service of men all around me. You see, that's what it does to you. It really revolutionizes your thinking. It does. It does. And this was God's resolve. This was God's plan all along. That you and I will be brought forth, brought forth by the gospel. That by believing what God did, right, in the person of Jesus, yeah, by believing what God did in the person of Jesus, yeah, me too, me too, come into that same reality as God. So, let's go back to James 1.18. So, when we hear word of truth, what do we think of? We think of the gospel. The gospel. The gospel is the word of truth. The gospel is my reality. The go- and that is why every believer ought to be acquainted with the gospel. Know it. Know it. No. 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 Know what God has accomplished for you in salvation and redemption. It is laced all over in the writings of the epistles. And as you become so so immersed in those in those um com- in the content of the gospel, you now even begin to see them as well in Genesis to Malachi, right? And as you see those things, don't just see it alone. Act on it, right? Act on it. Allow your mind your heart, the totality of your being to be fully soaked in and immersed in the realities of the gospel. Because that's what, see, if you are born, I'm sorry, I just can't leave this subject. Yeah. See, the fact that you are born, right, from that gospel shows that the ability for you to experience all that is wrapped up in salvation is already in you. Because it is by birth. It is by birth. And that's why we are usually big on preaching about the identity of a believer before we begin to now preach on his conduct. Because we preach that, look, before we can even tell you, do this, don't do this, do that, don't do that. By even telling you who you are, you should already know. By telling you that you are born of God, you are a child of God, you share in the same likeness and character of God, I don't need to tell you not to fornicate. Because God does not use God fornicate. Right? And when I mean fornicate, I'm speaking of, you know, even in terms of adultery or not being faithful. Right? Do you see God as our husband? Faithful to us. Faithful to us. To the point of death. Right? I learned that example and see that uh-uh, they need look at the nature in my father, right? It is a nature of faithfulness, of love, of forgiveness. Ah, uh, and because I am born of him, that same ability, that same strength, that same character is in me. And so therefore, in my natural relationships, I can also, at this relationship, maybe to a wife or to a spouse, I can also be faithful. I can also, you know, love and forgive. You know, see, that becomes the basis of your conduct. When you know who you are born out of, when you know your makeup, you know, you know, what makes you up, which is the gospel of your salvation, that regulates your conduct. 
Yeah, it does. Oh, just because of time. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. There's still so much to say in this very sitting. But just because of time, I'm going to pause here. But please, I want you to take out time to listen to this message again and to ponder on the reality of your birth. That you have been born of God. You have born, you were born of God by believing in the gospel of your salvation, by believing in what God did in the person of Jesus, in his death and his resurrection, which then led to God giving you his spirit. And as a result of his spirit dwelling in you, you now are a, a full-blown image. You are now a full-blown image of God. Right? See, it is not even that you are going to be the image of God. No, 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 no. <laughs> See, <laughs> a new birth is a new creation. That's why he called you the falsehood of his creation. It, this is God's act here. It be, it was, it's first God's plan, not man's plan. It's not man's idea. It's God's plan. It's God's idea. And he ensured that it was to be carried out. And he did carry it out. And he has made that provision for all men to come into. Right? The provision of being born of him. And as men believe the gospel, they come into that reality. And they are now able to live just like God their father lives. They are now able to be just like God their father is. And that's why we also preach this gospel to men. We take on the twofold ministry where we tell men of God's plan and how he fulfilled it. But we don't only stop there. We also pray. We pray for men to receive and to believe this message so that they too can come to the reality of their sonship so that they too can become into the reality of what it means to be born of God of what it means to be a son of God thank you so much for your attention for your time I look forward to our next session where we're going to speak more on what it means you know that we are um, a kind of false fruits of his creation. Now, I'll give you a hint. It ties back to Genesis chapter 1 as well. Anyways, thank you so much for your time. Please ensure that you, you listen to this message again. Have conversations. If you have questions, please don't hesitate to ask and um, you know, continue to remain blessed. Amen.